Chapter Eight of *The Enemies of Books* by William Blades. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight, Bookbinders. In the first chapter, I mentioned bookbinders among the enemies of books, and I tremble to think what a stinging retort might be made if some irate bibliopagist were to turn the scales on the printer and place him in the same category. On the sins of printers, and the unnatural neglect which has often shortened the lives of their typographical progeny, it is not for me to dilate. There is an old proverb, "'Tis an ill bird that befouls its own nest." A curious chapter thereupon, with many written examples, might nevertheless be written. This I will leave, and will now only place on record some of the cruelties perpetrated upon books by the ignorance or carelessness of binders. Like men, books have a soul and a body. With the soul, or the literary portion, we have nothing to do at present. The body, which is the outer frame or covering, and without which the inner would be unusable, is the special work of the binder. He, so to speak, begets it. He determines its form and adornment. He doctors it in disease and decay, and, not unseldom, dissects it after death. Here, too, as through all nature, we find the good and bad running side by side. What a treat it is to handle a well-bound volume! The leaves lie open fully and freely, as if tempting you to read on, and you handle them without fear of their parting from the back. To look at the tooling, too, is a pleasure, for careful thought, combined with artistic skill, is everywhere apparent. You open the cover and find the same loving attention inside that has been given to the outside, all the workmanship being true and thorough. Indeed, so conservative is a good binding that many a worthless book has had an honored old age simply out of respect to its outward aspect, and many a real treasure has come to a degraded end and premature death through the unsightliness of its outward case and the irreparable damage done to it in binding. The weapon with which the binder deals the most deadly blows to books is the plough, the effect of which is to cut away the margins, placing the print in a false position relatively to the back and head, and often denuding the work of portions of the very text. This reduction in size not seldom brings a handsome folio to the size of a quarto, and a quarto to an octavo. With the old hand-plough, a binder required more care and caution to produce an even edge throughout than with the new cutting-machine. If a careless workman found that he had not ploughed the margin quite square with the text, he would put it in his press and take off another shaving, sometimes even a third. Dante, in his Inferno, deals out to the lost souls various tortures suited with dramatic fitness to the past crimes of the victims, and had I to execute judgment on the criminal binders of certain precious volumes I have seen, where the untouched maiden sheets entrusted to their care have, by barbarous treatment, lost dignity, beauty, and value, I would collect the paper shavings so ruthlessly shorn off, and roast the perpetrator of the outrage over their slow combustion. In olden times, before men had learned to value the relics of our printers, there was some excuse for the sins of a binder who erred from ignorance, which was general. 
but in these times when the historical and antiquarian value of old books is freely acknowledged no quarter should be granted to a careless culprit it may be supposed that from the spread of information all real danger from ignorance is past not so good reader that is a consummation as yet devoutly to be wished let me relate to you a true bibliographical anecdote in eighteen seventy seven a certain lord who had succeeded to a fine collection of old books promised to send some of the most valuable among which were several caxtons to the exhibition at south kensington thinking their outward appearance too shabby and not knowing the danger of his conduct he decided to have them rebound in the neighboring county town the volumes were soon returned in a resplendent state and it is said quite to the satisfaction of his lordship whose pleasure however was sadly dampened when a friend pointed out to him that although the discolored edges had all been ploughed off and the time-stained blanks with their fifteenth-century autographs had been replaced by nice clean fly-leaves yet looking at the result in its lowest aspect only that of market value the books had been damaged to at least the amount of five hundred pounds and moreover that caustic remarks would most certainly follow upon their public exhibition those poor injured volumes were never sent some years ago one of the most rare books printed by maclinia a thin folio was discovered bound in sheep by a country bookbinder and cut down to suit the size of some quarto tracts but do not let us suppose that country binders are the only culprits it is not very long since the discovery of a unique caxton in one of our largest london libraries it was in boards as originally issued by the fifteenth-century binder and a great fuss very properly was made over the treasure trove of course cries the reader it was kept in its original covers with all the interesting associations of its early state untouched no such thing instead of making a suitable case in which it could be preserved just as it was it was placed in the hands of a well-known london binder with the order whole bind in velvet he did his best and the volume now glows luxuriously in its gilt edges and its inappropriate covering and alas with a half inch of its uncut margin taken off all around how do i know that because the clever binder seeing some manuscript remarks on one of the margins turned that leaf down to avoid cutting them off and that stern witness will always testify to the observant reader the original size of the book this same binder on another occasion placed a unique fifteenth-century indulgence in warm water to separate it from the cover upon which it was pasted the result being that when dry it was so distorted as to be useless that man soon after passed to another world where we may hope his works have not followed him and that his merits as a good citizen and an honest man counterbalanced his demerits as a binder other similar instances will occur to the memory of many a reader and doubtless the same sin will be committed from time to time by certain binders who seem to have an ingrained antipathy to rough edges and large margins which of course are in their view made by nature as food for the shavings tub de rome a celebrated bookbinder of the eighteenth century 
who was nicknamed by Dibden the Great Cropper, was, although in private life an estimable man, much addicted to the vice of reducing the margins of all the books sent to him to bind. So far did he go that he even spared not a fine copy of Froissart's Chronicles, on vellum, in which was the autograph of the well-known book-lover de Toux, but cropped it most cruelly. Owners, too, have occasionally diseased minds with regard to margins. A friend writes, Your amusing anecdotes have brought to my memory several biblioclasts whom I have known. One roughly cut the margins off his books with a knife, hacking away very much like a hedger and ditcher. Large paper volumes were his especial delight, as they gave more paper. The slips thus obtained were used for index-making. Another, with the bump of order unnaturally developed, had his folios and quartos all reduced in binding to one size, so that they might look even on his bookshelves. This latter was doubtless cousin to him who deliberately cut down all his books close to the text, because he had several times been annoyed by readers who made marginal notes. The indignities, too, suffered by some books in their lettering. Fancy an early black-letter fifteenth-century quarto on knighthood, labeled Tracts, or a translation of Virgil, Sermons. The Histories of Troy, printed by Caxton, still exists with Ericles on the back as its title, because that name occurs several times in the early chapters, and the binder was too proud to seek advice. The words miscellaneous, or old pieces, were sometimes used when binders were at a loss for the lettering, and many other instances might be mentioned. The rapid spread of printing throughout Europe in the latter part of the fifteenth century caused a great fall in the value of plain, unilluminated manuscripts, and the immediate consequence of this was the destruction of numerous volumes written upon parchment, which were used by the binders to strengthen the backs of their newly printed rivals. These slips of vellum or parchment are quite common in old books. Sometimes whole sheets are used as fly-leaves, and often reveal the existence of most valuable works unknown before, proving at the same time the small value formerly attached to them. Many a bibliographer, while examining old books, has to his great puzzlement come across short slips of parchment, nearly always from some old manuscript, sticking out like guards from the midst of the leaves. These suggest, at first, imperfections or damage done to the volume, but if examined closely it will be found that they are always in the middle of a paper section, and the real reason of their existence is just the same as when two leaves of parchment occur here and there in a paper volume, namely strength, strength to resist the lug which the strong thread makes against the middle of each section. These slips represent old books destroyed, and like the slips already noticed should always be carefully examined. When valuable books have been evil and treated, when they have become soiled by dirty hands, or spoiled by water stains, or injured by grease spots, nothing is more astonishing to the uninitiated than the transformation they undergo in the hands of a skillful restorer. The covers are first carefully dissected, the eye of the operator keeping a careful outlook for any fragments of old manuscripts or early printed books, which may have been used by the original binder. 
no force should be applied to separate parts which adhere together a little warm water and care is sure to overcome that difficulty when all the sections are loose the separate sheets are placed singly in a bath of cold water and allowed to remain there until all the dirt has soaked out if not sufficiently purified a little hydrochloric or oxalic acid or caustic potash may be put in the water according as the stains are from grease or from ink here is where an unpractised binder will probably injure the book for life if the chemicals are too strong or the sheets remain too long in the bath or are not thoroughly cleansed from the bleach before they are resized the certain seeds of decay are planted in the paper and although for a time the leaves may look bright to the eye and even crackle under the hand like the soundest paper yet in the course of a few years the enemy will appear the fibre will decay and the existence of the books will terminate in a state of white tinder everything which diminishes the interest of a book is inimical to its preservation and in fact is its enemy therefore a few words upon the destruction of old bindings i remember purchasing many years ago at a suburban bookstall a perfect copy of moxon's mechanic exercises now a scarce work the volumes were uncut and had the original marble covers they looked so attractive in their old-fashioned dress that i at once determined to preserve it my binder soon made for them a neat wooden box in the shape of a book with morocco back properly lettered where i trust the originals will be preserved from dust and injury for many a long year old covers whether boards or paper should always be retained if in any state approaching decency a case which can be embellished to any extent looks every whit as well upon the shelf and gives even greater protection than binding it also has this great advantage it does not deprive your descendants of the opportunity of seeing for themselves exactly in what dress the book buyers of four centuries ago received their volumes end of chapter eight recording by maria casper